Yo, what's up, baby? This is Burt Watson, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, baby. The best sports podcast on the internet. The only one I know. Your night, your fight, you need to get it right and listen to Pro Sports Podcasters all night long. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host, Justin Williams. And you know, I have the man, the myth, the legend with me, the one that's kind of been my longtime constituent, my partner for many years now. I don't know where the Australian guy is. He doesn't show up anymore. I don't know if he really likes me. But this man knows all about NFTs. And if you haven't yet, go over to our website, subscribe, and we shoot one out a couple times a month, letting you know all the highlights, the lows, and what you need to do to make money off them, especially in the sports world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the maestro behind the Mike, Mr. Colbert Durand. Kobe, what's up? Not much, man, except this past weekend, I kicked a lot of ass. I kicked I know. a lot of ass. So for those of you that don't follow us on Pro Sports Podcasters on Instagram, you might want to do that, or Pro Sports Podcasters on YouTube, you might want to do that as well, because not only did I almost pick the entire card for UFC 287, but I also nailed a number of the top 10, including the winner at the Masters. So if you're a gambling man, get on it. And remember, bet what you can afford to lose. I'm a broke man. I, I bet a dollar at a time. <laughs> but those parlays, oh my God, do they ever pay off. But you know, Kobe, we're not alone. We have a guest today with us. This man is a professional boxer, professional MMA fighter. I'm sure he's a professional at something else, but he's a very meek gentleman. Got to speak to him just before the interview started. He's kind of waiting in our virtual green room. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the newest member of uh, Team Combat League, Day Yule. Day, how you doing? And I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. I'm just amazed and happy to finally make it to the show. So thank you guys for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you on, my friend. So happy to have you on. So quick question for you. I always love to do this. When it comes to your fights, how far out do you start cutting for weight? I'm always curious about this. Uh, everything always ends up depending because normally they always give me like the short notice. So it's, it could be like two weeks out to a week out. Uh, shortest one I ever had was uh, about seven days out. But normally, if, if everything is perfectly fit for me, we're talking about about six weeks, give or take. You know, that's what changed my, uh, my diet. Yeah, and what, what changes in your diet? Is it more protein, less carbs? What's up? Carbs gets taken out. More protein because it factors in uh, I'm like more set on like boiled eggs and everything. So it's like my go-to is always eggs. Eggs is always good for me. But definitely a lot of fluids, but more changing. I'm probably like not the best at at, at uh, this like diet changing because the fact is my diet changing is taking away soda. So as soon as my soda is taken away, I'm like, ah, I'm already dreaded and I'm dying. You know, it's one of those things. So is uh, part of your meal when you're finished a, a nice soda? Oh, yeah. It's always, always nice. Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, or root beer are three go-to drinks. Every time. Yeah, my guy. So <laughs> I have, uh, I just recently learned that Mountain Dew has a zero sugar version. Oh, how did that taste? It actually tastes really good. 
All right, I'm gonna have to end up trying this because that's new to me. That's like kind of like presenting, hey, drink this coffee. Because like this, I don't drink dark coffee. Dark coffee is not good for me. Granted that they say it's a lot healthier for everybody, but for me, it's hard for me. And this is what I've been like dealing with at this house in Dallas. It's like black coffee and it does not work. I like my coffee, my skin tone, you know? If it ain't my my color, I don't like it. It's just like one of those things. So that's how I, that's how I just took that from the Mountain Dew when they took away the sugar. So <laughs> you got to talk to me about that. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoy it. Yeah, Dave, let's look a little bit back in your career. And something that always strikes me when I look at some of the, the names you fought and some of the organizations you fought in, how does somebody end up fighting Henan Barrow as their first fight in the UFC? Let's see. <laughs> and the funny thing about that one is, like, so Grant, I'm going to answer the question and I'm going to give you a partial story. So okay. answering it, it's it was fun. Like, you know, like at the end of the day, uh, to me, a fight to fight, you know, everybody knows that. That's why they call me Mr. Highlight because I always put on like highlights. It was one of those things. Right. So I, at the time, so the funny story is at the time, I don't watch UFC. I didn't watch like MMA fights and stuff like that. I was just good at what I did. And I jumped in, I was able to adapt whatever the case was, might be, you know, so I never watched like fights. So they kept on telling me, like, when the name got brought up, hey, UFC's, um, you know, they, they, they basically coming out of here with the contract. They want you to uh, come in and all this other thing. But the thing is, you got to end up getting rid of your old manager or the, the manager you have now, but you got to be signed with this manager. It was like awkward uh, mess. And they were like, yeah. Uh, and they want you to fight this guy named uh, uh, Hinnon something. Like, it was just Hinnon something. <laughs> I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear them. I couldn't remember the last name. But he just said hinting something. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and he was like, yeah, he's pound. You know, they don't even give me like the full details of pound for pound, whatever the case is, right? So I'm like, sure, whatever. Uh, but the thing about it is I'm not going to sign unless it's with the manager that I have now. I'm not signing with that manager because the two managers, like, they broke off and I went I went left instead of the right side, you know? Okay. So they're trying to tell me to stab that person to go over here but in reality i was in the middle of like losing my home and everything or losing my house and my mom everything like we were about to be like homeless so my mind was not on the fight so my mindset was hey whatever do whatever you got to do but if it's not with them i'm not signing it was just like that so i so basically i turned down the ufc in the beginning and whoever they're about to fight but as soon as they knocked it in and they went through the manager that i did have I was like, all right, cool. You know, he was like, yeah, so you're going to end up fighting this guy. He's a old school pound for pound. I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, lock me in, you know? So I already <laughs> cut it off. Like, I didn't care who it was. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, just lock me in. So I go and call my cousin and I'm like, yeah, they want me to fight this like pound for pound dude. So it is what it is. So I'm going to go up in there. We're going to go up in there. I'm going to whoop his ass the whole nine. We're going to call it a day. Right. And so I'm saying this. But everybody else is registering that it's Hinn and Burrell, the, yeah. pound, the man, the myth, the whole, <laughs> whole nine. But I'm talking to him like I'm talking about him like he a normal dude because in my head, it's a normal person. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to walk in there. I'm going to fuck him up, do this. And, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it a short night, call it a night and bring myself back, you know, and not knowing that he, he's in Brazil. He's the king of Brazil, all this other stuff. So I'm treating him like a normal person, I promise you. And then when I get down to Brazil he's a normal person to me because it was kind of like you're already disrespecting because he came over like six pounds in that, uh, and that, that whole, that fight. Yes. So in my eyes, he ain't no legend in my eyes. It's just, I'm just going to beat him up because he's pissing me off. And then the UFC were kind of doing awkward stuff. So this whole time me fighting uh Hennon, it was reality, uh, a normal person that I treated as a 
just a normal person because you know it was like he he already irritated the shit out of me so it was like uh-uh, i'm good but yeah that was just a mindset i was just i never watched tape never watched anybody and they're always telling me like yeah Dre, you gotta like like start watching people because this this and this and i'm like yeah i get you but in reality i you know i need these people to adapt to me anyway so ain't no point so did you change your process after that or you never really watched tape on your opponents i still don't watch still don't you know because at the end of the day it's like i'll end up coming with a game plan and at the end of the day it's probably this you can have somebody argument sick that he's a black belt super known as in don't uh you know he's gonna end up trying to take you down I'm already working on that, um, stopping people from taking me down or to the moment of getting comfortable to roll with people to take me down. Like, like if you end up checking my resume with like a lot of the black belts, not one of the black belts to tap me out. Like, you know, I escape majority of like at least two submissions from these black belts. So it's like letting you know that my, my escape game is legit. I'm fucking solid on it. Don't get me wrong. I end up falling into the cases of getting um, submitted, but it's like two to three and those were on on like habits of me being mad tired in the third round you know something ended up happening or i had to end up making a stupid mistake because i was down on the card so it's like little small things but my legit um you know i had a good coaches like now the coach that i have is aldo's uh old black coat or black belt coach okay so yeah so it's like my my coach that i have now so he's on my bumper and it's escapes, takedowns, stuff like that. And the, the coach that I had before him, we call him uh, Professor Sean and whatnot, uh, with the Gracies. And he kind of like kept me legit. So it's, you know, I end up looking at it. My, my game is always developing and everything where I get a little bit more comfortable. And now since I'm like with the whole new gym, things are different for me. Okay, right on. Okay, so quick question regarding your actual combat choices. So you've done MMA, you've done bare knuckle boxing from what I'm seeing right now. Just how was that transition? I hear a lot of people want to do it. And I've heard Francis Ngannou was in talks about it. What is the biggest difference between the two of them aside from the padding or lack thereof? It's just one of those focus on like one art, you know, just kind of kind of place it like that. Like the whole bare knuckle. It's all right. So I got music for bare knuckle. I grew up street fighting. That was life where I'm from, you know, California with all the hoods and stuff like that. It's a thing. Fist fighting was something it kind of it's a drilling a rush type ordeal or it just kind of brings out your inner beast or inner demon or where you want to end up calling it you know mm-hmm. uh and then at the same time it's less of other things you have to worry about like mma you got to worry about like the whole categories wrestling you know elbows knees and stuff like that you know kind of mm-hmm. like floats it up but in bare knuckle it's straight boxing but dirty boxing at the same time with no gloves street fight but now this is those moments you got a street fight where it's just no grabbing perfect you know that's the same thing with like boxing you just focus on like one art and then uh you know like how jiu-jitsu how they end up they're starting to make that a bigger entity in the game and into the sport right now that i wouldn't be surprised that they will start like placing leagues for mma and kind of push it into the moment where that will be its own fight league in a way you know so, mm-hmm. like, so for me, argument sake, as in the transition, it's not big or different for me. It's just like they're offering certain things that actually help us fighters in, in the long run, like this. They got a healthcare. That's crazy. 
you know? And then not only not only that, it kind of floats into like uh, the sport that I'm in right now. I'm in the full healthcare at this moment with the whole boxing uh, damn thing that I'm in right now. So, so yeah. So it kind of like ends up floating into that uh, to that thing, the team combat league. So they gave me insurance. I got insurance, and I'm also able to in, and uh, put my son on it. So it's like it's a win right there. Cage, you know, they only give you like that 30 days after you fight type of deal. They don't give you 30 days before you fight or or a year-long um, pension plan type ordeal. So the transition, it's it's good, better, but at the same time, you just get to focus on one goddamn thing, and then they give you extra bonuses that follow up suit on it. And let's just be real, like on the, the bare knuckle side, it's starting to build. It's about, you know, it started out hot, and it can either keep on growing or it's going to crash really hard. But the thing about it is, it's going to be growing because it came from like from on the East Coast side, like that it's big out there. It's big there. And now I finally made it to Cal or not California, but the United States. And now it's going to be picking up from the United States, just like UFC. UFC mm-hmm. was something that started really small and more and more that I got into it, it started to build. And now it's worldwide, you know, instead of just one place or locked in or placing it underground. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a little small process for things. Okay. Now I, I might have missed this, but how did you get approached into bare knuckle boxing? Uh, it was something like when they brought it out. That was like something I knew I was going to be good at, so I like hit my manager up and let them know, put me in, and then almost landed a good fight with uh, the BK BKFC type of deal, um, which is just they took too long. They were like kind of like unorganized on the um, certain things. It was about to be me versus uh, John Dotson. Which would have been like exciting type ordeal. He agreed, I agreed, our managers agreed, even the uh, organization agreed. It was just they couldn't land a date or they're taking their time on dates. So it was kind of like I was in that position, like I need to get paid today. I got to fight today. Like, you know, so BYB Bare Knuckle kind of stepped up and offered me something and it was kind of cool. All right. Hey, they're actually giving me the chance. And then, you know, I had uh, other chances to go other places like the whole Bellator and. And some other, uh, you know, PFL, but it was like all either seven day um, fight notice and fighting two classes um, above me. Like they had a fight for me, like at one sixty something, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was in Bellator. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to end up doing that, especially off of like a day notice, no. And then <laughs> PFL was a contract that was going to land me at the end of this year. That was too far, you know. Mm-hmm. But. Everything kind of like ends up floating how it ends up floating. So I got into this and then now since I ended up like doing what I did like in the first like 10 or 7 seconds, you know, I already got like offered to fight with uh, Karate Combat, but I got to finish out my uh, contract with them or with the BIB. So it's like a lot of things are placed on my table or coming to my table, you know. Well, good on you. Now with BYB, are you exclusive to them only or are you allowed to kind of fight for like, let's say, for instance, Cage Warriors comes to you and goes, hey, we want you to, to, to fight. Are you allowed to do that? Or? I definitely, I'm able to do that. That's why I'm uh, all right now in Dallas with the whole uh, Team Combat League at this moment. They, uh, I got uh, two more fights on my contract with BIB, but they left it uh, open and exclusive for me to do whatever the hell I want. So, so now right now I'm like jumping on this whole reality uh, TV uh, boxing show for fighters like us and stuff like that, you know kind of build a name and bring back some credibility because at the end of the day people ended up uh giving up on me so 
I just want to let leave this message out to those people. And if if you gotta block it out, block it out. But they all can suck it. The ones that ended up giving up on me, DX style. You feel me? So yeah. So that's honestly how I feel about that. But besides that, you know, it's, everything's uh, floating up and in, in, in the up and ups. We love that for you. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about Combat League. First of all, do you know where, where it's going to be available for view? Uh, it's going to be on uh, YouTube. It's going to be on their YouTube uh, channel and... Uh, I ended up uh, sending you guys the link or how you're able to just subscribe to it. But yeah, you're able to subscribe to the whole Team Combat League and you should be able to watch it and view it for free, if anything. So yeah, so it locks in. It's like the fun fact is it's 12 rounds, um, teams. You got um, California, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, Vegas, and uh, Philly and some other teams. Uh, like San Antonio as well, but it's a 12 uh, member team that uh, they set up with 12 fighters, and we only have to fight one to two rounds. It kind of depends on whatever your weight class is, if you're the only person there, or you have two people on the team, but how they end up floating it. So it's a three round uh, ongoing fight. No fill out rounds because you only got one round to automatically win, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's non packed action, if you can go ahead and say that. And you end up getting you end up getting like four teams that fight that night. But you know it's a league, it's a tournament. Um, so the league turns into a playoff, and then the playoffs turn into a championship. So they're trying to make it where it's like a football, basketball type of a organization, but in boxing. Okay. So it's a bit fun, you know, testy on the first season, but everything um, runs out uh, the way that it needs to run. That. Uh, Netflix should be picking it up, but it's like a documentary slash reality show for us fighters, you know. So it's kind of cool. Does it use the unified rules, or does it have its own its own rules? Yeah, uh, unified rules. Uh, everything is like set on like the whole boxing mentality. Okay, you know, physicals and stuff like that. You got to end up being cleared. Uh, so it's like a hundred percent legit. Uh, only thing different. Um, from its boxing and the other boxing is that uh, they do go, they do score it like by rounds, like ten nines or ten eights or ten sevens, whatever the case is. But they kind of end up giving you different points on certain things. Like, hey, you end up knocking a person out, you get guaranteed six points. If you get a uh, unanimous decision, you get three points. And if it ends up becoming a split decision, you get one point, one point each. Like you know, so it's kind of like a little point game type ordeal. But yeah, so it's definitely a, and you know, in every knockdown, you get one extra point on um, added to it. So if it becomes a split decision and you get a knockdown, that means you made four points instead of three points. It's like, it's kind of cool. It's really cool. Okay. So it has a, a bit of a PFL feel to it only for boxing. Yeah. Yeah. There it yeah, is. That's there pretty is. cool, man. That's pretty cool. Now I want to talk about your time in the UFC. You had a, you had a tough 2021, which I guess eventually led to your release. But yeah. you've got a win over Jonathan Martinez, who who gets talked about quite a bit in in the MMA circles right now. So w- when you look at some of the guys you fought in the UFC and that you're no longer in the in the organization, how do you feel about Jonathan Martinez's chance of eventually working his way to a title? He, I believe, he definitely has the the capability of knocking it out. You know, like the difference from 
my career and everybody else's career that's like in there, they padded their record. That's just how it is. You know, they, they pick and choose easy fights to get what they wanted. And when you had me, it's kind of like it started out hard and I kind of been sticking with nothing but hard fights. Like, you know, that was my poor decision because, you know, because at the end of the day, you're getting paid the same and that's just how it is. Yes. Uh, so off, off on it, like they only gave you like partial of the story of why I got released, but it was more to the cookie. But, you know, it is what it is. So off on off on that situation where I end up looking at uh, things like that, like, you know, hey, he ends up uh, legit, like just like this, uh, Chito Rera, right? Yeah. How he got into the super rankings. At the argument, he got ranked after he beat me, right? But if anybody watched that fight, I was winning it. Just slipped up at the end of uh, the third round where fatigue became my enemy. So if you end up switching that, I win, I'm the right guy. Now it comes down to, like, you know, like the mindset could have easily been picking and choosing, like, easy fights. I could end up doing, like, the Sean O'Malley route, easy fights, or, hey, let me get this, like, you know, highlights. At the end of the day, that's what UFC loves. It's hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Sean O'Malley route. So you're saying Sean O'Malley is being fed? Oh, he was getting definitely getting fed. He was definitely getting fed. And it's no, nothing hitting behind that, you know. Don't get me wrong, he ended up fighting Peter Yan towards the end, you know. Uh, when he fought Cheeto, he lost. And granted, when he fought Peter Yan, a lot of people know that he lost, but they gave it to him. Is what it is. And, um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't say it. You said it, okay? I didn't I, say it. Hey, I don't mind. They all know where they can find me at the end of the day. And then especially when I get back up in there, it's like it's all smoke with everybody because at the end of the day, that's just how it is. I love it. I love it. Okay, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to ask you about one more guy you fought in your past. It's been a while, and he's obviously a different fighter now. But how, how much attention do you pay to the other organizations, the other promotions? As in – how much do they pay or how much uh, do I pay attention to it? How much do you pay attention to them? Are we talking about uh, from Bellator? We're talking about Patchy Mix. That's correct. All right. All right. So now him. Nothing but love to him. You know, especially, uh, you know, he has like a nice relationship with uh, Tatiana, you know, like nothing but love. But I know that he had his moments of like kind of complaining in my direction of I made it to UFC and why he didn't make it and all this mm-hmm. other shit. Well, the argument's sake was after we fought, you know, off of my – uh my uh, injury of that damn fight, but it is what it is. Off of that, the difference was that after he fought me, he didn't fight for like another six months, right? For me, I literally fought the following month yeah, and finished off my opponent. And then I fought the following month, finished off my opponent. And the person that I finished off in the, the January one, it was against uh, Gustavo. Nothing but love to my, uh, to the brother, but he was a uh, the UFC pickup. Like there, he was supposed to get picked up. He's a uh, he's under Misha Tate. That was Misha Tate's like golden boy type. Okay, person. so he was supposed to get picked up. I ended up finishing him off in the first round, like you know, and and it was a KO. Like basically, the world like exploded off of that. And then I ended up fighting another person short notice. Um, that was in LFA. Destroyed that in one round. And then I fly out to basically out here to uh, New Yorkish uh, to fight Dennis Piva, still my, my toughest fight. Ended up fighting him. And I ended up beating him in the third round in front of his hometown type of deal. And this is how I got picked up. Yeah, five fights in one year. That's pretty crazy. Five fights. And and that was me keeping them all exciting and for one round and making it explosive, stilling the crowd and stilling the people. Patrick Mitz only did one fight after 
after my five. You got to think about that. Like, bro. And on top of that, it was kind of not exciting fights. Now, when he got to Bellator, it's all exciting, 100%. Like, you know, kind of boring-ish, but exciting. It's in, it's how you kind of want to take it. UFC was all highlights. And, and this was exactly what I was sitting there talking about. Sean O'Malley was getting fed, but he was finished these people highlighted style. They loved that. They don't care who it is, because in reality, when they end up showing his highlights, they ain't talking about who he, who he did it to. They just looking at, oh, look what he did. Yeah. That's just this. You know, like Chito Vera, when he ends up throwing out his highlights, it's what he did. You know, like when he ended up uh, doing the foot to uh, Frankie Yeager's uh, face at the end of the day, that's all you end up seeing. You don't see how it landed or how it got there. You just know that it ended with the foot to his face, you know? So you got these people that ended up getting fed. You got these people that had to end up taking the hard route. And I was part of the, the people that had to take the hard route. And at the end of the day, I literally could have ended up going in that direction. And I'm, I know I'm not the only one that ever sat there and spoke on this. You know, a lot of people, even hell, even Kevin Lee. He spoke up on it when this is when he he got released, you know, and now he's back in. And to add to that little cookie crumble, they released me because of the factors in that it was like doctor medical type um, type ordeal. But they had to end up placing it there. But they're supposed to um, cover me on on some medical stuff, and they didn't, and they tried to save money. That's the added reason of as in what really happened behind the whole closed doors. But they don't want to sit there and speak on the shit. So that's what ended up happening. I'm glad you're being frank, man. Up and coming fighters, listen up. Day Yule is telling you how it is, so pay, pay attention. Yo, facts are facts. Kobe and I watched the Peter Yan Sugar Sean fight. And we're like, <laughs> I remember Kobe was getting up. He's like, "Yo, it's done. Peter got it. I'm gonna go to the bathroom," and or wherever he was going, get the pizza or something. He was going somewhere. He was leaving the room, and he came back, and I was like, "Yo, Sugar won that," and he's like, "Shut the fuck up," and I was like, "No, like Sugar won," and he's wow. like, "Justin." And I was like, no, sugar fucking one. <laughs> like he had to go to his phone to check. And I was like, why would I lie to you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not even hungry anymore. <laughs> like, but it was, it was weird. And we interviewed somebody after, we're not going to say who. And we, we asked him like, what do you think? And he gave a very diplomatic answer. But then after the fight or like after the interview, when we were, you know, off the air kind of deal, if you were, he was like, that was bullshit. Like it should have been Peter. <laughs> we're like, all right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, but like, don't get me wrong. Like, I get it. Like, you know, like off the judging standpoint, I get it because you know, you don't know what people are looking for, and this is like something that uh, my coach always ends up sitting there stating. At the end of the day, you could feel like you're doing perfectly well, but in the judges' eyes, how are they looking at it? You know, mm -hmm. like uh, so because you know, I'm over here at a uh, icon, so it's basically I'm over there with Bobby Green and my co our coaches, uh, Coach Sam, and everything. You know, so. I made that whole big transition, and then I'm over there. So we lock it in, and he breaks this stuff down every, every, every day. You know, and you guys got to end up remembering how you win rounds, how you win a, a fight. Hey, if you're in this position, if you guys are going um, point for point or whatever the case is, is it like, are you even or into this judge's eyes? What can end up still in this round? It might be a takedown. Boom. Or you drop them. Boom. More significant strikes. Granted that it could be more significant strike, but at the same time, if this person's able to roll majority of those times, then he's good. But if you end up getting rolled up and you're not countering back, it don't even matter. If you miss, the thing is you're getting rolled up. So it kind of ends up floating into those um, directions. Like, hey, Peter Ann lands a takedown, but O'Malley gets the fuck up. They don't count that. Like, you know, that's their mindset. Or however you look at it as in, like, hey, Peter Ann might be uh, popping him, but since he hit him with this hard um, shot, 
there you go. He rocked him. It's little things like that. And, you know, so that's off on there. But then you also got that other side is that the UFC want Omani to win because they can sell him. They can't sell Peter Ann the way they can sell O'Malley. O'Malley's going to bring money. O'Malley's going to be the next Conor McGregor. Hey, they can sell him. Peter Yan, hey, you can, you know, it's only how, you can only go so far. It's like a B ranked in pushing him on the marketing side where you got O'Malley as an A, plus, especially after Snoop Dogg. O'Malley, O'Malley. <laughs> Snoop Dogg ended up um, raising his value, his market value all day. That's that is uh, that's some facts right there for you, boss. I actually appreciate the honesty, Mister Day. Before we get you out of here, there's a couple things we, we like to kind of ask, bit of a bit of a silly little kind of leave you on a smile kind of deal. We're from uh, the Great White North of Canada, specifically Toronto. Have you ever had a Canadian dish called a poutine before? A poutine. It don't even sound right, but low key, <laughs> I, that something sounds like for me knowing me, I'll end up trying it. So, what's a poutine? <laughs> so poutine is um che- uh sorry fries cheese curds and gravy that's the standard version and so you can mix and match you can put like bacon on it you can put pulled pork if you're like vegetarian oh, yeah 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 in fact i did try this i did try it but they I'm don't so call proud it of poutine. You. i forgot what they he said i'm so proud of you i like <laughs> i'm so proud of you thank you <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, yeah, I did try it. I tried that uh, at uh, this restaurant called The State in California. It's actually amazing. Yeah. But they named it something different. I don't know what it is, but it's something. But they kept on placing it as in, it's like a poutine or this poutine. But yeah, I felt it. I actually like it. Perfect. Good. Good. And then also, have you had another Canadian dish? It's a dessert called a beaver tail. I have not tried the beaver tail. But it sounds like I think I might like the beaver tail. Do tell me, explain on the beaver tail. So a beaver tail is basically like dough that's deep fried and it has any sort of arraignment you want on it. So it can literally just be like, one of the biggest classics ones is, um, I guess, Nutella and peanut, uh, Nutella and peanut butter or like Nutella and banana or like apple pie. It's really fucking good. Okay. I'm going to try the apple pie because I'm like, favorite is like apple pie. It's one of the best pies in the world, yeah. you know? So I'm gonna end up. Yes, I would like to try. So, are you only able to get it in Toronto? Uh, no, it should be Canadian exclusive everywhere. I see. So now I'm about to mess around and look at it and tell me this: Can you eat the beaver tail? Oh, 100. percent Is it fried or is it like how does that taste? What does that taste like? So the the name is just a beaver tail, but it's essentially you have to imagine it's just dough that's deep fried. Got you. Trickery. I thought I was about to eat a beaver tail. I'm about to, <laughs> people, I'm about to try this beaver tail. You had people ask. Yeah, you know, like somebody you said know? they're like, "That's got to be a lot of protein," and I was like, "And I was, I was confused. I was like, I mean, if you add meat to it, I guess, but who's adding meat to this?" And then it took us a minute to go, "Oh, oh, you think it's an actual beaver's tail?" Oh, okay. See, yeah. Man, my bad. Yeah, so that yeah, they just like locked me down. I was about to say, I was about to mess around and put it on my page. Like, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, Beaver Tail. I'm about to try it. Okay. All right, now before we let you go, how can our fans find you on social media? 
Uh, you guys can definitely find me on Instagram, Day42, spelled D-A-I-I-4-2. I know it's going to end up pronouncing like, oh, it looks like die, but no, nah, not in this not in this lifetime, you know. It's called Day42, you know. That's what we got to end up rolling. That's my Instagram. Uh, you can catch me on my uh, TikTok as well, Andre Yule, you know, simple and easy. Then you also can float into the factors in my uh, my Twitter uh, granted that I'm not really on that one because I'd be forgetting my like Twitter name at times, but it's still live. Are you with me? And you can catch that one at, I feel like that one is day 24 underscore Dre. There you go. Simple and easy, but catch me on the flip side because your boy's coming in with hot fire. Right on, buddy. That was so cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport is left behind.